Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. At a time when eating healthy seems to get more and more complicated and expensive, dairy remains simple and affordable powerful source of micronutrients, high-quality amino acids and calcium that are all essential for healthy muscles and bones, dairy really should be enjoyed as part of a varied and balanced diet. Lovingly made with all the goodness of organic British milk, Yo Valley Kefir is a creamy, tangy, organic yogurt packed with billions of live bacteria from 14 different culture strains for maximum gut flora diversity. Available in natural, mango and passion fruit, blueberry and strawberry flavours, the daily boost you deserve is in the yoghurt aisle at all the major supermarkets. To find out more, head over to yovalley.co.uk. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Intuitive eating makes total sense when it comes to our plates, but the philosophy behind it is just as appealing when applied to our workout plans, meaning that it's time to get on board with intuitive exercise. After all, why do we force ourselves to go to HIIT classes on days when we'd much rather be doing yoga? And why do we often lie in bed for those extra 15 minutes despite knowing that we'll miss our workout so much? So joining me to help us understand if there's a feel-good way to love every single workout is personal trainer and author Tally Rye. Hello, Tally. Well, thank you for having me, Ray. Absolute pleasure. It's a very, very exciting time. I believe you've just published your first book. I can't believe it. It's actually <laughs> happened, which is crazy. I have a copy of it here in front of me now. Um, Train Happy, Tally Right, an intuitive exercise plan for everybody. How exciting. Yeah, I feel really grateful to my publishers, actually, because um, when they asked me what did I want to write about, 
I immediately, I I hesitated, but as soon as I actually put pen to paper and started thinking through my ideas, I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about. And for me, I feel that Train Happy is the book that's missing from mm. the fitness space. Um, th- there's no one... I think talking about intuitive fitness to this extent in a book um but also I feel that they let me have um you know the drawings on the front and in the book and we had all different models um doing the workout guide and stuff like that so I feel really grateful that they kind of let me realize my vision well it's Um, different isn't it because I think we've lost track of listening and trusting to our bodies when it comes to exercise yes and and that was kind of what initially sparked the idea of the book because it's funny, I spoke to, um, so my editor at the time had said to me, you know, I've been working with a personal trainer and I said to them, I want to learn to weight train and things like this, but they've tried to put me on this path of, um, you know, a nutrition plan and a, and a weight loss plan, but I asked to learn to weight train. Mm. I didn't get, I didn't want that. And yet I think, I think so many of us are, are falling into the external rules of exercise and therefore we're missing out that bit as to what do we want to do and that's where the the intuitive fitness element comes in because you know it's all about putting it I I say it's kind of like getting the ball back in your court what do you want to do getting you back in charge rather than thinking because I'm sure it's the same with nutrition you know it's overwhelming thinking I've got to be eating this three times a week and I need to be eating doing this and I must on it's the same in fitness you know I have to do this certain type of exercise to do this for this benefit and I must be meditating and doing yoga and I need to do mobility and strength training and cardio and it feels very overwhelming and so we start ticking boxes as to Mm. what we've learned exercise is rather than taking a step back and saying okay I appreciate all the benefits of exercise and and how you know strength cardio mobility um meditation can all um you know support me but what do I truly enjoy doing Mm. because I think ultimately if we're going to do this for life, and I hope that, you know, I'm not about short-term fixes, I'm, and neither are you, you know, I really want people to stay active in a way that they enjoy for, as, for you know, as much of their life as possible. I mean, is that what you define as intuitive exercise? Because you use the word intuitive. It's something we're hearing a lot more of. Yeah, definitely. So I would define it, well, I define train happy as moving your body from a place of self-care and self-respect. And at the forefront of the decision-making behind what you're doing is doing what you enjoy and doing what feels good. And I think yeah. that's that's the definition. It's a perfect thing. And I think you're right. There is a gap. There's It's something that isn't really thought of. Like you said, there's always an end goal. There's always something that we should be achieving perhaps too quickly and not thinking about how it makes us feel for our mind and our body. But there's so much attention put on exercise. But movement alone, it's so beneficial, isn't it, for mm. other factors of your life? Yes. And that was the really fun part about researching. Um, and I had a really great conversation with the psychologist Kimberly Wilson recently. Um, and she was talking about, you know, the we call it like the brain changing benefits of exercise. And there's actually a fantastic TED talk, not by Kimberly, but by um another person and their name's just completely escaped me (laughs) we can Um, search it yeah the title of the episode well i've written about it in the book perfect um but it's called the brain changing benefits of exercise and uh it's by this neuroscientist and she does a whole ted talk about how fantastic exercise is at helping build a healthy and strong brain so it can help grow your brain um it can also help with memory it can help with focus and attention it can help um improve mood it can help 
you know improve overall well-being and yet it's not sexy so we don't talk about it enough Um, but there are all these wonderful benefits um and it can be you know empowering and all these things that we're not talking about enough um and it doesn't get enough airtime which is you know why I feel really grateful to get to talk about this um, with you today. Oh, well, I think we're very grateful to have you on. Because like you said, I think mental health is something that people don't discuss enough. And exercise, there's so many strong correlations between exercise and Mm. mental health. So anyone listening, definitely, when you get to the right page in Tally's book, I would check out that TED Talk. I can't wait to watch that. It's really good. I'll send you the link. (laughs) Yes, send, send me the link to that. I mean, is it important to find... How important is it to find the balance between what we would define as healthy exercise? Because surely that looks different to everyone. Yes. So I think you have, I think what we can consider a positive, healthy relationship with exercise is to um, exercise in a way that feels good, to have that connection. A big part of the intuitive um, fitness as well is to have the trust and connection with your body so that when it's saying, do you know what, I'm I'm exhausted today or you know I can feel a bit of a niggle in my body we're not just powering through because we feel like we have to do this exercise I have to work out x amount of times a week it's about saying do you know what I think today I'd benefit from actually getting more sleep or today I might benefit I had planned to do um, a more intense workout but I actually think the most benefit I'm feeling stressed and anxious and the most beneficial thing would be yoga as an example and it's about recognizing that within yourself and trusting yourself Mm. to to acknowledge what's going on in your mind and body but also to honor that and I think that's the scariest part because you know how I said about the external kind of rules around exercise which you know, is it has to everywhere be cer- subliminally yeah but it has to be a certain length you have to burn a certain amount of calories you have to run a certain distance at a certain pace and that if you're not doing those things it's seen as a failure whereas um i want to completely challenge that and say that's totally untrue and actually um only you know your body best um only like you know your body better than a fitness tracker you know your body better than your trainer you know your body best so you can say do you know what today's a go day and I'm ready I'm going to take on a 10k and I'm going to go and smash it but you also um need to have that awareness and that trust and I I think that's such a key part of it is the trust element that when it's time to slow down you slow down yeah, the word trust. And I think at different points in your life as well, this would change, wouldn't it? Because different mm. journeys, I mean, ages, if you have children or if you are you become sick, surely the, the different attitudes trusting your body has to be so flexible. Yeah, and it's, you're right, priorities change. Priorities yeah. change. And I, I even consider myself, you know, the beginning of my 20s when I was able to commit a lot, ironically, able to commit a lot more time to exercise than I am now. Mm. Um, and I also say that, you know, at this point of my life, I'm going to train how I enjoy to train. But I also kind of have a never say never attitude. And I think, you know, I might get um, 10 years down the road and think, do you know what, I would I would love to do a marathon, or yeah. I would love to do those things. And I think it's, you're right, able to go with the flow and um, recognize that progress isn't always linear. We're not always on an upward trajectory of improving with exercise that, mm. you know, one year, you may have had a really great year, maybe you did a new 5k pb and you felt great and you had this really regular routine but another year say you were having a baby and that year you know that the most important thing is growing that human and that's the priority and I think it's you you don't have to constantly be topping yourself no you can actually you can choose to kind of push and take a step back 
when it feels right within your your life. Um, yeah, it's kind of like being at peace. I, I guess learning to find that place where you feel comfortable with yourself to be able to um, make those decisions and exercise addiction is something that only really affects a very small percentage of the population but it's something I think we've both seen quite a bit of wouldn't you say? Well I could say I hand on heart I've seen it in myself and you know I I originally started out on my health and fitness journey by literally wanting to be healthy and fit but the fitness and the health the picture of health and the picture of fitness that I saw and found on social media was pretty obsessive so I just role modeled behaviors I saw online and I honestly just thought I was doing the best thing for me and I was just it was all with the best intentions um but I I fell into the slippery slope of you know um over exercising and that gets to the point where I was prioritizing my workouts over social plans so I would make sure that I had done things at the expense of seeing friends um I would feel extreme guilt and anxiety had I missed a session and would always be thinking about how could I make up that in other aspects. Um, I would, you know, have to do a certain type of exercise and train in a certain way that I deemed Mm. to be the, in quotes, right way or the most effective way um, that I thought would burn the most amount of calories. Um, And I would sacrifice sleep and get up really early to work out. And one of the most interesting things I have personally kind of been on my own personal journey with intuitive fitness is discovering the importance of sleep. And I know you've done podcasts on it. (laughs) But um, when you you realise that, I think um, we often disconnect our mind from our body. And so we're like, you know, because exercise... So my intention of health and me approaching that health and fitness stuff was because I viewed health as fitness as getting smaller because that's all I had been told. That's what I learned. That's just the only the only model of health and fitness that I saw. So I just equated it to dieting and being smaller, you know, successful people, fit people who are successful, lost weight. And that's what I knew. Um, And so I would prioritize my priorities were what could I do to best lose weight Mm. um and but learning on the benefits of all these other things and that would include you know sacrificing sleep and those sorts of things it's so rigid yeah and then learning the benefits of things like sleep and Mm. you know how actually exercises can be a really great factor in the things that you can do to help support your health but a lot of our health is in some you know out of our control and so actually um to, I was able to kind of have this realization over the last five, six years and, you know, give myself a bit of a break and give yeah. myself, you know, take, give myself the kind of permission to just chill, step back. It's because so nice to hear. You that. don't have to be so, I didn't have to be in such control. I was able to loosen the reins. Um, and that's been a massive part of my journey so that I say that fitness is now a part of my life. It is not my whole life. And I think that is a healthy relationship with exercise. Oh, I love that. And when you said it's not my whole life, I was picturing a typical scientist, a little pie chart in my head, just <laughs> yeah. thinking, which percentage of it at the yeah, moment exactly. is probably fitness. But a recent survey reported the rise of gym inhibition. Could you explain what this is for us? Well, this is a new word to me. This is mm-hmm. a new term. But I think I think maybe it relates to the feeling, uh, the intimidation of going into the gym environment. Yeah. Um, I, I, I co-host the Fit and Fearless podcast with the Girl Gains. Which I love. I've been a guest uh, yes, on this you podcast. Have. And we call it, we call, for example, the weight area in the gym, we call it the testosterone. And I do think that, you know, there is, particularly from a, a female perspective, there is intimidation going into the gym environment. Um 
And it's interesting because in the past, advice I would give, um, you know, would be, don't worry, everyone's too busy thinking about themselves. And actually, I think somewhat that, to an extent, is true. But I do think it is important to acknowledge that for some people, going into the, people do look at you when you're in the gym. I think if you're a woman, you are quite vulnerable. Sometimes it can feel scary, like, you know, people are a bit lechy. I think if you are in a bigger body, you feel so out of place because it's like, this place isn't designed for me and people are judging me for being here. I feel like that being pregnant, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It's the first time because I'm I'm quite... I guess fortunate to be in your stereotypical slimmer body shape mm. it's the way my body's designed but going in with a bump people look at you yeah you don't feel like you fit in and I think there's so you know there's so many instances where people I mean I went to a really posh gym recently and I was like <laughs> I work in a gym I know how to use this equipment and this is terrifying so yeah. I think it's important to be aware that you know for people you know intimidation in that gym environment is real and to acknowledge that and to say you know you're not making it up it, it does happen um but I think it's really about just kind of trying to shut the rest of the world out and really focusing on you and remembering why you're doing this remembering you know I really believe in exercising from a place of self-care self-respect and if those are the foundations of what you're doing then you just know that you know this makes me feel good and I want to do it I also want to say that if the gym is an intimidating, overwhelming environment for you, you don't have to go yes. to the gym to exercise. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways of exercising <laughs> that you could do. You could do at home. You could do in the park. You could join. Yeah. Um, I've got loads of friends doing like aerial um, hoops on silks. Have you seen these silks? Oh my like goodness. Acrobatic I'd love to stuff. do that. Um, you've Maybe got, not now, but later. But you've got <laughs> things like, you know, indoor rock climbing. There's swimming. There's You don't have to you know just be in a gym environment there's so many ways to move your body dancing is a great one there's so many different types of dance classes ice skating I mean the world hopefully is your oyster and I think we've got to think outside that gym I literally I'm like holding it like a vogue box in my yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I think we've got to think outside of that box um and there is a page in the book where I kind of list all the different well all the different ways I could think of but I'm sure there are many to add to it um where you can move your body because you know as we discussed it's so beneficial um from a physical and mental perspective that um you know it's so positive that I want more people to feel welcome and you know feel that they can move their body the word welcome really resonated with me then because I think you're really breaking down walls when it comes to taking the fitness industry on you know straight Mm. away face to face (laughs) and just being like look guys and girls it's not just about this. I think it is intimidating. And this this phrase, gym ambition, it is there. And like you said, just acknowledging it. Mm. And you're making a start and hopefully making everyone feel welcome. And I just really hope that more people fall suit because it's tough. I mean, the fitness industry has been associated for so long with aesthetics, uh, with weight loss. So do you think we're finally starting to see a change? Or do you think that you and your mission at the moment are just the very beginning of the of the movement? Well, I would, you know, 
I have learned from an awful lot of other people in the fitness industry, in the, the nutrition space, in the almost like the fat activism space about this stuff. So I would love, you know, this is, I'm a part of something much bigger and, you know, I, I can't take credit for it at all. Um, intuitive fitness itself was inspired by intuitive eating, which was, you know, um, something that... A Groundbreaking. Book, a book by two yeah. dietitians that happened 25 years ago, mm-hmm. um, Evelyn Tribley and Elise Resch. So, and even then in the 80s, it's still been spoken about so you know this is all happening I mean this is there's so much work going on in this space I'm just I just have a platform in fitness and I really felt a calling to use it and I really feel like I have an opportunity to to say something so it's when social media can be positive I think that's Mm. one of the things we did um we've done two episodes now uh, on social media and one of the real positives is that you're exposed to people that you wouldn't normally be exposed to. So you can oh. choose diversity. And that's, I, I feel grateful. I've, I've really changed how I use social media. And, you know, like I said, when I first started getting into health and fitness, I just followed a very stereotypical fitness view. And at the time it was bodybuilding was really in. That was a big trend at the time. So I just followed people who um, were bodybuilders, which is not the standard person, you know, in, you know, our general population. And that's a very niche sport. And yet I was viewing that as health and fitness. And that's just what it was. Um, So I I do think we're making progress from that, that we are seeing, um, you know, slowly but surely, we're seeing more body types exercise, we're seeing different forms of exercise. I think people are catching on to that there are benefits (laughs) far beyond aesthetics and weight loss. And actually, they're you know they, they if we're in compare if we're comparing weight loss and aesthetics as two things you know we've got about 30 other benefits and yeah. we need to be talking about those but i do think we have an issue in fitness where one body type is promoted as being a fit person and i and i even kind of have to catch myself as well describing people saying you know oh they've got an athletic build we associate that with someone you know we associate that with I think a, a Paralympic athlete or yeah. yeah Olympian that's what I think yeah you Ooh. picture six pack you pick you picture muscles and you picture this and that they're, they're an athletic build and do you know what some of the fittest people I know who are stronger and fitter than me um would not be described as that they are actually all shapes and sizes and yet they are also capable of things so I really hope and I I wanted to use my book as a way as a platform for that and and on social media as well to use people of different ages different body types um different backgrounds as well um to be seen as people who work out because I really believe you have to you have to see more to be more and if if you know if we want more people to get active and you know I think from a public health perspective, we do. Uh, we really do. Then we have to show that fitness can come in all shapes and sizes. And that, I mean, this Girl Can campaign is a prime example of that working. It got three million more people, yeah. three million more women moving. I think that's incredible. So I wish the rest of the fitness industry would take note, put different yeah. people on the cover of magazines, get different people, um, you know, working with the big fitness brands. I think people are taking steps. Um, you know, Nike had their plus size section and, you know, we're taking steps. They're in the right direction. We need bigger steps. But we, I think I think we, I think the tides are changing. Ooh, I, I, I love that. that. I can see the tides are changing. I'm almost drawing comparisons here between a phrase I use a lot called dark culture to what we can almost call as fitness culture then, I suppose. That's what yeah. you've described. Well, I say that diet culture co-opted fitness culture. So like I said to you before, what I assumed was health and fitness was diet culture's version of fitness. And so 
diet culture is a kind of system of beliefs that tells us that we always have to be trying to aim to be smaller and that makes you happier successful healthier just a better moral human um and the opposite of that in being in a bigger body being fat is is considered to be a failure you are lazy greedy just think of all the negative connotations that we have learned about that um and so fitness kind of was like, well, the, we know the dieting industry is massively profitable. And so the fitness yeah. industry was like, well, I want a piece of the action. I'm going to get in on this and I'm going to start selling, you know, 12 week transformation plans, eight week transformation plans. I'm going to sell you my before and after picture guide um, because you can get um, you can do my plan and look like this. Um, and it's attractive. And I don't blame anyone. No, it, no one is at fault for buying into that and thinking do you know what I'm going to do this because you know I have been there um you know so many people have been there um it is no one's fault no, there's for, no judgment for, on this for, podcast for doing Mm-mm. for doing that um but I think um and I hope and I, I talk extensively about diet culture in the book and it, just saying that you know it's not anyone's fault but be aware of this stuff because diet culture doesn't have your best interests at heart it wants to make money off of your insecurities and I almost wonder if if this is going to be a generation shift so often we see in literature or in science that as each different demographic goes on so let's say people at the moment under the age of 40 perhaps are aware of this topic but perhaps 40 plus are not we don't have data Mm. or stats on that so maybe in the next dare I say I mean I hate to say it so far away but maybe 10 20 30 30 years, the way the future generations view exercise and view diet culture is definitely going to shift. I do think people are more aware of it. I became aware of it through kind of more exposure to, to like I said, the fat activism and feminism. I became, I became aware of it through that lens. And as a woman, I realised that diet culture was stealing a lot of my time. I spent, I spent a lot more time, you know, particularly as a woman, than my male counterparts, um, you know, worrying about what I was eating, worrying about what I was doing in the gym um just generally about my appearance um because I was trying to conform to this beauty standard this body standard that um I don't naturally fit and I had to work extremely Which, hard let's be fair to lots fit. of people do not fit and I had to you know and I kind of on reflection I realized the work the time the energy the brain space I put into achieving that um means that that is not sustainable for me that is not where I'm naturally meant to be um and what could I do with all that other time and energy what can I do with that headspace um I could write a book like I'm not being if you asked me five years ago to write a book I would not have (laughs) had the time the headspace I was too busy um you know tracking my food and making sure I worked out I I really didn't have the time and I I talk about this in the book as well and just say that you know I I've become more politically aware, you know, socially engaged. Um, I read way more. I I have more time for my friends. I have so much more of a a well-rounded version of life um, because I'm not giving so much time to making myself smaller. And that burden of making myself smaller has been lifted. And it is so freeing. And I really want people to, and I know so many people have experienced exercise through the lens of you know making myself smaller it's punishment it's to um I would almost say the majority of people fall into exercise with, with well with I, I call it lens. the earn and burn mentality that I'm doing this to make to earn my food and to feel less guilty about eating which is still unfortunately a message you see posted around around fitness centers oh, yeah absolutely absolutely 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, eat to burn. No, burn to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or do this to earn your, right. your um, whatever kind of Especially holiday it is. Especially January, because yeah. if we discuss the fact that January is here and everybody is jumping on Let's burn board. off Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, sharing, um, surely sharing this message now about body confidence could not be more important to empower other people <clears throat> to to feel like you feel liberated and it is possible i yeah i really hope 2020 is the year that of self-acceptance for so many um body acceptance is a part of that but i really think um, a huge a part of it comes from self-acceptance and figuring out who you are beside your body like who are you outside of this shell because i believe that your body is just a shell and inside is is you and that is the true you and that is the person that your friends love and your family love and um it's your you, soul almost you, yeah and that person inside has so much to give and has so many talents that are suppressed and held back because we're too you know we're too stuck on this shell and so I really hope that 2020 is the year of kind of that self-acceptance and figuring out who you are what you know how can you use your voice and through that you start to um, build self-worth and realize that you know what I'm worth taking care of and and what helps me take care of myself Um, maybe it is doing yoga once a week to you know de-stress from a busy working week um maybe it is making time for you know a 30 minute morning workout so that I can be more focused throughout the day and that's going to help me be better at my job and just a better Mm. you know partner and friend and so I think it's coming at it from that perspective and so that's that's the shift the shift is it's the a shift psychological is, shift. It is, and it's it's deeper work. Mm. It is deeper work. Um, it's not so simple as you know switching just, a switch on. Oh, and be I'm like, gonna do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's why it's not as sexy and glamorous as doing like oh, uh, you know, an eight week plan where I can get. I'm apparently meant to get this after result, and I think um, it takes time. And so for intuitive fitness, I say to some people, this might you might read this book. I, I think this book might be a catalyst for people to to explore this in depth because there's so much more literature out there. I really, you know, there's a resource list at the back. I really recommend delving yeah, into it. Yeah, and lots of it can be free as well. I think it's so mm. important to state the fact that working on yourself, and it's something we discuss a lot in the Retrition Clinic, is the hardest thing you will ever do mm. in your life. It will not happen overnight. No. And you may be here now, but it won't be until next year or five years' time that it actually clicks. Yep, a light bubble graph and you're like, ha. Huh. I mean, this journey for me on a personal level has been the last, I mean, I really started getting into that fitness, that that kind of obsessive phase in my life was almost seven years ago now. And, you know, it's been a slow transition. I didn't have this book. I didn't have this framework. There is a framework for cultivating the intuition around fitness. Um, I talk, I talked through like nine kind of points of kind of guiding points that help you kind of reevaluate your relationship with exercise and I didn't have that but when I did discover it through intuitive eating mm. and seeing it in there so there's a there's a a, a a principle of intuitive eating called joyful movement um I love that I think yeah. it's a nice way of and that kind of like was the missing piece of the puzzle for me so I hope that this might give people a, you know a stepping stone towards that because um I wish I had it I wish I was exposed to it earlier. I know. And do you think, I mean, on that note, so food and fitness are very closely intertwined just as much as psychology and food and psychology Mm. and fitness. It's all part of the bigger pie that we discussed at the beginning, your pie. Um, Do you think everybody should be alongside intuitive fitness, practicing intuitive eating, or is it more of an individual... 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So I personally really believe in intuitive eating. I, I, I think, uh, you know, we're born intuitive eaters, but we just get so confused along the way. and um, So confused. We get so confused <laughs> and conflicted. And my goodness, it's overwhelming when you start to really look at nutrition information. You can think... Oh, I'm doing everything wrong and it feels so scary and it's the same with fitness as well and, and I, I do believe that you know at, you know we're born as babies to cry when we're hungry and to you know turn our heads when we're full and you know we we know what we like we know what we dislike and that a lot of that gets lost I do believe that we can all be intuitive eaters um and I, I've given a section to intuitive eating in the book um through the help of a dietitian um because I think, and I should say this now, and I know, Reeve, we've spoken about this many a time before. Yeah. As a personal trainer, it is not my place to have, um, to give, you know, in-depth nutrition advice. I want to point people in the direction of great resources, such as this podcast, um, you know, two books, two articles, two, th- two things like that, and support in a way I can, but it is not my job to give meal plans it's not my job to tell people what to eat and I think a lot of people go to personal trainers and that's the first they thing they get in front of them they assume I think personal trainers feel we feel like we have to have all the answers and that if we don't have all the answers then people will leave it's a, it's a business thing you know people are scared mm. to lose to lose clients to lose money so we'll say yes and you know we can do that we can do that we can do that when actually I think there's so much um I think we all do better when we say, do you know, this is what I'm really good at. I'm great at training. So I'm going to train you and I'm going to talk to a nutritionist and refer you to a nutritionist who really, you know, has done that studying. um, And I'm going to work with them to make sure you have the best care. I think that's really powerful. If you're a personal trainer, I like you get cross referrals. It's a win-win situation. Everyone wins. It's like a business transaction. If you're looking at it, I think a lot of people often say you have to be able to let things go in order to welcome more in. And it is a scary thing for anyone. This is totally off the topic Mm. of what we've been discussing but if anyone out there has a business model and you're worried about losing clients or your business actually the more you open up your heart to help people I know it sounds so cheesy but the more you help the more will come back and the more t- and the better team you build yeah um you know I have you know someone I can refer to if I need I think a client needs counseling or therapy a nutritionist a, a physiotherapist an osteopath all you those build things a network you build that network and I think that's really important so that that person gets the full care that they deserve um but back to our original point, yes. which I can't remember what it was. Which was discussing um, intuitive eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And help, yeah. So, so um, 
with my clients, I, I will um, suggest intuitive eating as an option. I, I believe everyone has autonomy. So you can choose to do whatever you want with your body and how you eat. Um, but I... I see it really healing people and I see it really helping people get to that stage of peace with food and peace with their bodies and peace with exercise and I just really want that for people so yeah I just want people to not feel so stress and guilt and shame around food and exercise I really believe there's no place for shame and guilt in fitness in particular and with food um Evelyn Tripley, who wrote um, Intuitive Eating, always says, unless you stole the food, you have nothing to feel guilty about. You have full permission to eat everything. Um, and with that comes, a, I mean, Intuitive Eating, I'm sure you've done the podcast. It's a whole other thing <laughs> yeah. on it. It's, um, it's, it's a, a whole bit, other thing. It's a heavily, heavily um, <laughs> debated topic, but I think one that has to be out there. Well, I think the misconception is, and I think, and interestingly, I've, you know, I've spoken to a few people about the concept of intuitive fitness now. And, and the thing is, well, Tally, do you think people will just give up? Do you think if you tell people that, you know, they can exercise however they want, as much or as little as they want, then they won't do anything? Um, you know, it's like, you know, if I tell people they can eat all the foods, will they then just only eat chocolate as an example yeah, that would just yeah anyway i'll let you answer well that. i think so <laughs> in that case i think for some people who have so strongly associated exercise with punishment restriction and guilt and shame there may be a reset where they have to do nothing in order to do the to kind of i said the recalibration they're recalibrating so you swing from one extreme the all section to the nothing section to come back to the sweet spot that works for you and so i do think there may be a time when people are like well hang on a minute i actually hate everything i'm doing i don't like burpees i don't like you know intense classes yeah. or i don't like running i'm going to and like so i don't know what to do what i don't know how i feel i don't i've got no motivation that's the big thing i've got no motivation yeah. and so i really talk about finding intrinsic motivation for so long diet culture gave us extrinsic ways to motivate ourselves you know get the body for your holiday get the dream life mm. when you reach that goal's dress size you oh, will live the dream life the amount of people that message me have you been on a diet before your wedding obviously they didn't mm. know I was pregnant at the time so obviously I wasn't even on any kind of diet but it's unbelievable people think that's one of the biggest goals that's a huge pressure and that is a huge pressure for people so when you have those extrinsic factors um you know you struggle with motivation to sustain it re- on a really long-term basis when you find what actually makes you tick and you are like hang on a minute and, and you recalibrate and in that and in that period of nothingness it might be a case of you know finding yourself and realizing what do I like what do I enjoy who am I and what's what, going to help what me makes fe- what makes mm. me feel good and then you start doing the things that make you feel good so for example my recalibration went from training in that kind of bodybuilding way to really switch um to kind of doing a lot less weight training and figuring out like well what do I actually like doing what do I want to do and I started doing swimming lessons um and that was something and I'm really loving it and I'm and I'm you know doing other things that I didn't consider that they quote counted because they didn't burn enough calories or I didn't sweat enough that's such a misconception I know I discussed that with um Alice Living on a recent episode it was one of the biggest things I used to think because I've never been a I need to go and sweat type of girl so I would I would have this internal guilt oh I haven't sweat enough I would just do a bit of cross trainer or just something that I fancied but I think such a but it's also because all bodies sweat differently anyway yes i'm just <laughs> known from personal training clients i've got someone who will do the first lunge and the warm-up and will be profusely sweating to so people who i have to you know 
do quite high intense conditioning with them to get a bead of sweat so we all sweat mm-hmm. differently anyway so I think that's just a whole myth and I'm glad you guys busted it <laughs> honestly it just it just goes to show and I think so what are some of the best ways that anybody out there can kind of unwind after working out on busy weeks is there something that you would say people could make like adjustments to their surroundings or their mindset to help them switch off a bit more well I think getting out in nature is great mm. I know I, I live in the middle of London and so that is a bit of a luxury but getting to green space when possible getting outside um getting that actual perspective of you know when you you're in a you you can see lots of scenery and you just feel so small and I think that really helps give me perspective on a personal level and I know there is science to back it up no, as well I love the way of, I, I think um the science came from it was Rangan Chatterjee I spoke to in my first series and he said they're called fractiles which yes. are you know images of nature that have an effect on your parasympathetic nervous system mm. and interestingly from looking from a maternal kind of um, pregnancy aspect it's apparently very very good to put elements of nature in a room when you give birth so well i think that's what people yeah. crave being by the ocean crave being oh, yeah, you know in you know in green spaces and so i think because that really calms people and it, and it really does um i also think and something I need to get better at is doing, you know, more kind of yoga practices oh, and more it. slow stuff. I really enjoy, you know, like a yin yoga at the end of the week where you just, you kind of, yin yoga is when you hold certain, quite not too difficult poses at all. They're all about relaxing into the joints and really doing relaxing positions. I mean, I'm not a yoga expert, don't claim to be, um, have a yoga expert in the book. Um, <laughs> but you, you kind of let your body kind of sink into those positions. And I think... Um, that's really important to switch off and I think for some people de-stressing is doing something more intense but yoga is so beneficial for the gut for um for so many you know for so many things that affect our mental health as well that you know doing something where you slow down and connect with your body because the great thing about things like yoga is it's so mindful and you have to trust your body and connect with your body which is obviously the foundation think about it we spend most of our days sitting down at desks or running around like a crazy thing do we ever actually a lie on our back in the middle of the day stretch or put your head beneath your um beneath your legs or something mm. you know just the or blood child's flow pose. child's just, pose yeah even these teeny little movements but i could talk about this forever <laughs> we have questions from followers for you today tally so sophie has said i'm considering getting an exercise tracking device but they're quite expensive would you say it's worth it i would say the best fitness tracking device is the one in your body I love the that. one that the one that knows you best is you. Now, there I I'm not going to completely write off fitness tracks and say they're evil. I don't think they're inherently bad, but I think our relationships with them can be quite disordered, and we become too reliant on them. And I talk about it in this book. I believe they're a barrier to intuitive fitness because they take us away from trusting ourselves. So. Um, they I've, I've I mean I've taught classes done sessions where people are adjusting the mid-workout so they're not even fully present in they're not fully present in their body whilst they're moving their body I also think the way you know our activity levels change day to day yeah how can a fitness tracker set you one goal a fixed goal every single day bearing in mind that from Monday to Sunday you may do stuff that's completely different and I think and we feel guilty when we don't meet that certain step goal that certain we don't complete our rings or whatever and I think if you feel like it's making you feel guilty or anxious about exercise and it's making you feel pressured to do things and you're doing things that you don't want to do but you're doing them to complete your rings or do your activity day that's a point when you need to take it off now I think 
a healthy relationship with activity tracker is being able to take it off leave it and not worry about it but if you find that you feel stressed when you don't wear it and you have to wear it you know 24 7 then it's worth considering and reflecting on your relationship with fitness trackers uh, excellent excellent answer and for anyone that saw i did a um a myth busting post on ten thousand steps a day at some point if you just use the hashtag myth busting with re and actually it's just a number that's been plucked there's no research to back it up and I just think when we become very number orientated it can be a bit stressful but of course I also have clients that can be beneficial like Tally said just leave it and it will be fine and Finn has said I'm intrigued by intuitive fitness how can I get started well I'm gonna suggest getting the book yes I think that's probably a good (laughs) like the only book out there to start you off on it really but the first question I would ask yourself if exercise had no effect on on your aesthetics on your weight what would you do and how would you move and why would you move and I think ask yourself those questions and that's a really really good place to start great and this kind of leads on to what mary's are she said recently i've been exercising daily but i'm not seeing any results could it be that i'm doing it wrong well it depends what kind of results you're after generally like we said we've discussed the strong associations to fitness with um aesthetics and weight change and we use those as markers of success however i think there are far better ways to track your progress and i would strongly suggest um if you're doing Uh, any sort of weight training or maybe you're running or something where you feel like you can use a measurement a unit of measurement so for example when I'm training clients we're predominantly doing more resistance-based training weight-based training so we look to increase the amount we've lifted or we look to see can we you know we've reached a certain amount but can we increase the the number of reps Um, or can I improve my time of my 5k can Mm. I run a mile a bit faster or can I hold a plank for longer for example Um, and I talk through a basic little fitness test you can use and I think um, we need to think about measuring our fitness that way because any so some people may start exercising their body might change some people won't some people's you know there's no guarantee I think what we need to do is look at other measurements of um progression and improvement um so I would really recommend if if looking at pictures of yourself isn't working for you start thinking about you know what have I do I feel actually I'm stronger at this or I feel like I can you know like I said hold a plank for longer or I can do a press-up they're incredible. They're mm. the achievements we should be celebrating. Your goals. They're yeah. the brilliant things you should be doing. Um, and I really strongly like encourage you to build on that build on those little I say the little wins build on the little wins because they keep you going I love little wins I think in life they do become the thing you kind of live for the little ones every day Um, and Kat has said and this really actually quite was a question when it came in that I just thought oh goodness it's perfect for Tally Um, I'm overweight and not confident and I want to start going to the gym do you have any advice on what exercise might be best for me to start off with and how to help build up my confidence? And I really kind of felt for Kat when she wrote in with this because it's something that I'm sure you get a lot. Yeah, I think, like we spoke about the gym intimidation aspect, I think people are terrified of going in the fitness environment thinking, I don't have a clue what to do and I feel like everyone's looking at me and so perhaps it's a case of starting small starting at home starting really simply and maybe just trying to go for a walk or two and building up from there investing in a few little bits of home equipment maybe um in the book I've got body weight home workouts for people to do as well as using dumbbells and kettlebells all that stuff which can be done at home there is some investment in 
the dumbbells and kettlebells but um you could do all of it at home in theory um there are also classes you can do are there groups which you could join that you think could be really supportive such as a really nice running club in your area or maybe there's a dance class that or you a might friend like to you dance. can grab to go with you a friend would be really important someone to take someone to go with you to help you feel more comfortable um i i, I do think that uh, like as a trainer I only ever want people to come and succeed I only ever want the best from people and so I think finding the right places for you there will be that there, there are fitness environments where it is intimidating and maybe it is a bit judgy <laughs> so I think you have to just you have to look out for them but maybe start yeah. small start start at home and then go from there that's lovely advice and I think Kat just to reiterate you're not actually as alone as you may think um people you least expect get intimidated by these situations um anecdotally I don't really go by myself to fitness classes never have done have always struggled or that even I you know I get intimidated and you may not you know, mm. I may come across as confident, but I always like to go with a friend. So remember, you're definitely not alone. Um, we do now have the fact or fiction round of the podcast, Tally. So are you ready? Okay, let's do it. Right, so fact or fiction to the following questions. We should be doing at least four different types of exercise as part of our routine. So... There's a okay, can I caveat it? Yeah, yeah, so, go, go. <laughs> so I completely appreciate the benefits of all different types of movement, and I presume that's kind of a cardio, a strength, a mobility, and a yoga type thing, or a flexibility thing. Um, now, there's definitely place for all of that, um, but I think for someone who is kind of repairing their relationship with exercise and going through that process of building intuitive fitness, don't stress about that. Just start working on doing the things that you enjoy. And then as you get more confident and stronger in that trust with yourself, start adding in, start thinking like, right, I know that I like running and I know that weight training will help me get less injuries. So that will keep me running um, and keep my body stronger for longer. So how, how can I incorporate that? Don't get too hung up on ticking those boxes. Just do what you like, and then once you get that going, start thinking about okay, now I now I need to do a bit of this, and mm. um, so yeah, leave that till the end. Less box ticking. There is no structure to intuitive exercise. Oh well, <laughs> it's very it could difficult. Be, could be true, could be false, because. Um, no, there can be no structure in the sense that you could go and do whatever you wanted and that's that's totally okay and that's intuitive fitness. Um, but people who, if you're training for something such as you run, you want to do a 10K, a marathon, you're going to have to follow some structure. And so linked to the previous um, one, it's about um, knowing you're at a point when adding structure isn't going to stop you trusting yourself um, and also allowing for flexibility within that structure. So not you know rigidly sticking to you know I have to do this it's very much going with you know okay this is what I need to do this week um but you know I've on Tuesday so I needed to do um I don't know like a long run but actually I'm exhausted so I'm going to make sure that I'm good and I'll try and do it on the weekend and it's you know having that flexibility in there love that 42% of women in the UK are not active enough for good health well, I'm not going to argue with the stats, <laughs> Probably, but, yeah. um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that is true because I do feel that a lot of people feel alienated from exercise and they don't feel, like we said, they don't feel welcome, they don't feel included in the exercise space and so many people are getting neglected 
Um, and we, I think a lot of fitness, particularly in London, is preaching to people who are already fit, they're already well, and the people that truly need it are outside of here. They're in poorer communities, and we need to create, um, we need to work out a way how we can get into those poorer communities who don't want to pay gym memberships, who don't have the time, the money, don't have the resources. You know, how can we encourage being more active day to day? And I, I, I think um, we need to be stop. stop stop being quite so short-sighted at you know like if you can already afford a gym membership and you're able to do those things like that's incredible you're already one step ahead you're winning yeah and that's and and like it's not it feels almost like unfair that people who are in those more disadvantaged communities um are missing out and it's not fair it isn't fair and so um you know it's up to another government related government. thing there that we could health. do a whole other podcast episode on yeah. public health um. i do think the fitness industry i do think we can we can um there are, there are some amazing things i spoke about this charity before there's something called the billy project that that work with um teenagers and in you know just you know poorer communities and getting people to you know get the opportunity to weightlift for the first time or you know working with people that way I think there's there are people out there doing great things and I think we need to open our eyes to yeah it. we do and you know I as a person you know I need to get involved more I think we can all get involved more in reaching more people agreed intuitive eating is another diet intuitive eating is another diet if you tell yourself that weight loss has to be the result so if you approach it and say that, right, I'm going to do this to lose weight, it is a diet. That's the diet mentality. Um, however, if you do the saying, I want to make peace with my body and food and I want to be free of all this pressure, then then you're on the path to intuitive eating. And so many of us get, that it's so common to get caught to, intuitive eating is attractive because you're like, oh, so I can eat what I want and I just, I eat when I'm hungry, I stop when I'm full. And it becomes like, oh, I can intuitively eat the least amount possible rather than um it can get very eating. complex Do you know what I mean? it's yeah. very it's very complex and I'm um I've done my fair stuff in introducing like I said I'm a personal trainer um but I do think that yeah it depends the way you, How approach, you approach it, it. yeah there we go an intuitive approach to life will mean you'll lose weight uh false um an intuitive approach to life means that you don't worry about your weight anymore and that that is an arbitrary number that does totally. not define you. And actually, um, we can live a full and happy life um, in all different body shapes and sizes. Totally agree. 57% of 18 to 24-year-olds admit to having felt anxious because of their body image. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. I feel like social media exacerbates that issue in the sense that, you know, That's we're bombarded downside. with imagery non-stop 100%. and even though you've got things like the body positive community really um showing people diff- you know people really who are at ease and accepting themselves and particularly in bigger bodies i think there's still that face still a long stuff way to going go. on and it's hard there is the body confidence movement in the uk is improving i do think it's getting more traction i do think we are seeing a bit of a pushback thanks to people like body positive panda jamila jamil i think mm. people are you know realizing that they you know there's more to them than what they look like love that following instagram workouts by influencers are effective depends on the workout depends on the influencer depends (laughs) on what you could deem to be effective um i think there's some really great people um i'd put like alice living in that bracket who puts out really well thought out content she she is a great um advocate for a, great a advocate, healthy relationship with exercise. but also she really um knows her stuff yeah so That's there's some there's some great people to. yeah 25 <laughs> percent of women avoid the gym to prevent them from being judged 
like we spoke about it earlier and I do think that sadly is true but I do think um okay maybe the gym's not for you let's try something else agreed tally excellent fact or fiction round so informative that does nearly wrap up the podcast but as with every guest we finish with our food for thought so I think mine today would definitely be encompassing everything that we've discussed um aim to do something you enjoy the combination of exercises because there are so many things out there that have countless benefits to health and obviously I can only speak from a nutritionist point of view I do not consider myself um, to be a fitness expert but we know exercise does improve digestion we're looking at blood flow around the body we know that it benefits so many different areas when it comes to cognition when it comes to absorption of different nutrients in the body but it's so much more than a weight management tool and Often I get people coming into my clinic saying, oh, you know, I'm smashing the gym, I'm doing this, I'm not reaching my goal. Whereas actually a lot of the time, it, the reason they're not is because they're looking at it in the wrong way. Like Tally said in the fact or fiction round, the approach to what you do is extremely important. And, you know, I find it difficult to find time for exercise. I've now made it part of my routine. It, it was extremely difficult throughout my pregnancy different stages I'm only five and a half months as we're recording but if you find something you enjoy guys I think that really is the best way to make it fit into your lifestyle and you'll have a much better chance of keeping it up and reaping the rewards but Tally I think everyone would love to hear from you a take-home message or one thing that you feel would really benefit our listeners I mean what would that be? I think this January um, don't dive headfirst in take it slowly at your pace and like I said really explore what you enjoy and ask yourself that question I I kind of said earlier what would you do if it didn't have an effect on your weight or aesthetics what would you like to do and try that that is the ultimate question I think it's the best question because I hope all of you listening now are thinking in your head oh what do I actually like to do it is the best question. Tally Rye, thank you so, so much for coming on. Your book is now on the shop shelves. Yes, it is available everywhere. Well, from the 9th of January, it is available um, everywhere, I presume, yeah. all good bookstores. Yep. You can find it on there. <laughs> and if you would like to hear any more on intuitive fitness, head over to Tally Rye's uh, social media platforms as well. And thank you, Tally, for coming on Food for Thought. Thank you so much. It's been great. If you enjoyed this episode, you will absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach those higher highs in the charts and to help more people. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.